Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 166. Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Bruce Thompson. Bruce, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I've been ready my entire life. All right. It's great to have you here on Cars Yeah. Bruce Thompson feels compelled to paint. He attended the Ontario College of Art, graduating from the industrial design program, where his favorite subjects were automotive. It was at this time that Bruce saw a painting of an F1 car in a store window and thought to himself, I think I can do better than that. And he did. Thus began his obsession with the visual archiving of automobilia through sketching, illustration, and painting. But not satisfied, Bruce attended the Royal College of Art Vehicle Design Program in London, England, where he sketched, conceived, drew, learned from some of the most talented and creative people in the design field. And when he graduated, he worked for Ford in Europe, in Germany, before returning to Canada to work as a professor in the Industrial Design Department at Humber College in Toronto, where he teaches, of all things, automotive design, of course. So, Bruce, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Please take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, I'm very pleased. You made me sound very successful. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I grew up in a small town in Canada, and I think that, like many children, I spent a lot of my time in school sketching uh, vehicles in the margin when I should have been doing my ABCs or my uh, math. Yep, I'm guilty. <laughs> but the funny thing about that is is that I grew up completely unsurrounded by interesting cars. I remember my father having an Impala, a Malibu, a Valare. Um, none of these things were set to inspire, uh, to inspire me and move me to a career in the automotive world. The interesting thing is, is that when I grew up, I would catch snippets of my parents' stories of when they were younger. And as it turns out, before I was born in the early 60s, 
my father owned a TR3. My uncle owned an Austin Healy Sprite. My grandfather owned a Sunbeam Rapier, which my uh, my mother unkindly called the sewing machine because of its <laughs> engine sound. And they used to go to uh, Harewood Acres, which is a race course near Toronto, or was years and years ago, long since defunct. And uh, Mostport, which you uh, may have heard of. Yes. So I grew up hearing about these things and seeing the cars and the photo albums. And I think it developed in me a nostalgia for something that I myself actually hadn't experienced, if that's, uh, if that's at all possible. So yeah, I grew up with a real love for especially British cars. And I think it informed uh, a lot of my career choices. All through high school, I was very good at drawing. Um, I was looking for, as all high school students are, I was looking for my oeuvre, my niche. And I decided that it had something to do with drawing. Uh, this led me, obviously, to the OCA, which was the Ontario College of Art. It, it was the place that people go to if they've got this sort of bent. And I went there for an open house, and I figured I was going for either illustration or graphic design or something of that sort. And I was walking around the college, and I came into this, this program called Industrial Design. And I walked in, and immediately I was gobsmacked. I was absolutely floored, <laughs> and I thought, this is what I want to do. Because I walked in, and there were a couple of students working on a clay model of a moped, and there were a bunch of renderings on the walls and some plans. And I thought, oh, this is beautiful. This is technical arts and I wish I could go back now because I'm sure that that moped that I thought was so futuristic mm -hmm. is if I looked at it now I'd think oh that's awful but at the time it was pure inspiration to me how oh, great and because of that I uh, I ended up applying to the OCA I got into the OCA and in the second year we had a foundation year I applied for uh, industrial design in the second year got accepted thus started my career so um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a funny career because growing up in Canada, I think I recognized unfairly that Canadians don't go on to become world-famous automotive designers. Uh, if you're going to be a world-famous automotive designer, you have to have a name like Zwijaro or Gandini mm -hmm. or something like that. And I thought, no, nah, Thompson doesn't really fit into that pantheon. <laughs> <laughs> By the time I got to the OCA, I began to see that... Um, in fact, one of the guys who was a year above me was a guy, uh, was a guy named um, Michael Pickstone who went on to work for uh, BMW and got his master's from the uh, art center in Geneva yeah. at that time. Mm -hmm. So it really did open my eyes to a world that I hadn't thought existed, certainly not uh, for somebody from my uh, beginnings. Wow, fantastic. Well, you know, there is Freeman... In Bangle, those aren't sexy Italian names, and those guys have done pretty well in the car world. So That's true, but they were much later. <laughs> yes, yes, you were before their time, so I understand. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more as we move along here about your career and things you've done, but as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote, and this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bruce, take the wheel. Okie dokie. Um, my success quote comes from none other than Winston Churchill. Oh. <laughs> and I love this quote because I think, I think it has 
I think it's got a lot of traction. Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. And that may sound like a glass half empty. Um, I really see it as a glass half full yes. sort of quote. Because I think that one of the issues, I think, especially with young people, I, being a professor, I deal with a lot of young people. I think, and I remember being that age myself, and one at the age of 19 or 23 or 25 thinks that one will achieve something by the age of 38, and thereafter you've set. You've achieved everything you will ever need to achieve. fact is that in my experience, you spend your life doing all sorts of different things, making all sorts of attempts. Some of them are uh, successful, some far less successful, but all of them are interesting, yes. and all of them are the reason that you get up in the morning. Yes. And yes. I think that this is the idea of being able to keep your enthusiasm, even when things aren't sunny and happy and positive, I think is a very positive message, and I think it's a very important one. You know... I have had another guest here on Cars, yeah, that used that as their success quote. And I love... You're joking. No, I, I'm not joking at all. But you know, it has so much pertinence to the entrepreneur adventure that so many of us are on, the ups and downs, and your willingness to try things out of your comfort zone, fail at them, and stand up and brush yourself off and move on. So I love that quote. It's fantastic. And we're going to talk a little bit about failures and challenges in a minute. But first, I'd love for you to share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars. You talked a little bit about the, the family members that had these wonderful old British cars. But could you tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that Bruce was a car guy? Okay, well, I know that this is true because I have it not just from myself, but from my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I must have been about four or five years old, and this is going back a long way, but I was about four or five years old. We were living in a small town outside of uh, Toronto called Whitby, and we'd gone to some sort of show, and we got, my mother got, some paper card models of cars. Mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, I, as I say, I was four or five years old. Um, if I remember them correctly, they were probably 1920s or 30s Fords, very boxy, basic things that you could cut out of the paper, fold up, tab together, and you had a little model. I remember those. (laughs) I do, yes. The distressing thing for me is that my last car that I had was actually older now than that was when I was that age. (laughs) (laughs) Or close to it. At any rate, I was about four or five years old, and I was beyond excited by this. Now, the funny thing was, I was four or five years old. I had dinky cars. I had all sorts of things to play with. I think at that point, I may even have had a model chain, but I can't remember being more excited by something. And we built them. Uh, I played with them over dinner. And you have to remember, these are paper cars. The wheels didn't move. They were just little paper sculptures. Uh Uh-huh. At any rate, when it came to uh, bedtime, I asked my mother if I could take them to bed with me. And my mom said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that would work out out well. You should keep them on your uh, side table. Yes. So I put them on my side table. As soon as my mom left the room, I took both cars, hugged them up close to me, and went to sleep. (laughs) 
And, of course, woke in the morning with them crushed and realizing that my mother had been right. Moms are always but, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're always right, but I do remember, I, I still remember, it's probably one of my first memories, um, and I also remember that my mother said it was after that I realized you really did care about cars a great deal. Yes, yeah, <laughs> fantastic story. I love that. Well, what I'd love to do now, Bruce, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame it. And of course, what did you learn from that experience? A great failure. There's so many to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, according Um, (laughs) to Winston Churchill, that's part of life, right? Exactly. Um, I graduated from the OCA and I did very well by getting into advertising immediately. Now, advertising was not my first choice, but for various reasons, those were the opportunities that were available to me at the time, and I took the job. I got married, everything was going well, and at the age of, I believe it was about 33, uh, I found that I was in a a dead-end advertising job, which I didn't enjoy, for many reasons. I did I did enjoy the creativity. I, I did enjoy the work. In some ways, I didn't enjoy what it was I was actually doing mm. in terms of what I was creating. Uh, but worse, I discovered that uh, my wife no longer had the tender feelings for me that she once had. Ooh. And in short order, I found myself divorced and in a job I didn't much like. Oh, wow. And so at the age of about 33, I thought, what do you do now? Yes. I'm not interested in my job. I've just lost my life. I don't really want another uh, another wife because I was very happy with the previous one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I found myself at something of a dead end, and I had a great deal of help from some very good friends who were key in moving me forward. And one of my friends, he, he lives in uh, Long Island now, he pushed me and said, well, you've always wanted to do car design and you're certainly good enough to do it. Why don't you go back to school and go to the RCA? And I said, no, I couldn't possibly. I came up with all the excuses as to why this wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. And in the end, realized that the excuses actually were paper thin. I had no good reason. It was a huge risk, but by the same token, it had huge upsides. So I... Uh, I took a, a bite bigger than I could chew. I <laughs> sold my home. Um, I had twin boys at the time who were about a year old, and I left them. I had to come back uh, at great expense. I couldn't really afford at the time, about four times a year, to try to, uh, to visit them. Yes. Um, but I moved to England, and I, I got my education at the uh, Royal College of Art. Wow. And it, was, it, it really was... Um, a rebirth or a, or a renaissance, mm-hmm. and even better, not only did, it, did I get an education, not only did it, I get a degree, not only did I get a job immediately following that degree at uh, Ford Europe in Germany, but I also met my uh, my current wife, who was going to SOAS in London at the same time as me. So Wow, wow. Uh, I, it, it, it was a remarkable turnaround, and if I look at it now, <laughs> I look back on it and I think, well, that was completely unrealistic. I could not possibly have expected such a positive turnaround. This, this is, 
this is worthy of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fantastic story, and I do appreciate you sharing such a personal story with us. It's it's really great for people to hear that there's always another way, always another path, no matter how bleak or sad or desperate things may be. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in your career. One of those times when you realize that, you know what, I think this idea or this direction is really going to work. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Okay, I've, I've got several to choose from here. I'm actually going to choose one that's very recent, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's how you came across me, and that is my uh, my current blog. Now, interestingly, I know that a lot of people, when they talk to you, they're talking to you about their business successes and uh, the fact that this was very successful in terms of uh, remuneration, in terms of how many people bought things. Mm-hmm. In this case, this this little website that I started started as a hobby. I've got a blog where I post my sketches. I've got a website where I post my paintings. But for various reasons, I've uh, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead. I, I sold a car, and I'll be telling you about my regret for this later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I sold a car, and uh, uh, my wife and I had moved into a uh, a condo. And I sold the car based upon the fact that we didn't have the parking spaces here. Um, and there were various problems. In the end, it turned out I could have brought the car and didn't. Mm-hmm. I am now on the search for a new car. So I've been looking for about, uh, oh, close to about a year for a new classic car. And about uh, six months ago, I wrote a email to a friend telling him about my uh, my latest search. It was, I think it was the first TR6 that I looked at. And I spent far too long on this email. I probably spent about 45 minutes to an hour sitting and telling him all about who the guy was, who was selling it, what the car was like, where it was, what I thought of it, what its value was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I expected to get a cheeky email back saying, really? <laughs> <laughs> and instead I got an email back saying, that was the most enjoyable email I have read oh, in fantastic. ages. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and I thought, really? <laughs> yeah. And it, it planted a seed. Mm-hmm. And I began to think of the fact that when I, what I was doing is something that's common to many people. And that the archiving of same would have some value. So I thought that it would be interesting to... Uh, start archiving each visit and uh, writing up a little bit about each car, uh, doing a little drawing of each car, and uh, saying a little bit about what the process was like. I don't want to be nasty to anybody. I don't want to say, ah, the car was rubbish. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, in some cases they are, and in some cases people are nasty. I won't say that in my blog, but what I have found is that most of the people selling these cars are wonderful people yes. who are hugely interested in their cars and in other cars. And if you don't stop them, we'll take you to the pub afterwards and talk to you <laughs> for the rest of the night. <laughs> you know, I really love this in so many ways because you're right. It is how I found you through my son who happens to be studying. We talked in our pre-show chat at uh, RISD right now in, in industrial design and he found you in Core 77, which is a creative website, and said, Dad, you got to call this Bruce guy. This is cool what he's doing with this blog. He's documenting 
is car search. And what you've done there, I think, is absolutely fantastic. And for us car guys, yep, you get two car guys together, they can talk forever, uh, go off to the pub, uh, hang out in the corner of a party and forget everyone else or go out to the garage, better yet, and talk about the cars. <laughs> so uh, I think that's fantastic. I love what you're doing. And we get to the end of our talk here, we're going to direct people how they can find this wonderful site and this blog you've developed so they can enjoy the hunt like you do. So I think it's great. <laughs> How about a proudest moment in your career? All of us have had many proud moments. Is there one in particular that stands out in your mind? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, I think I said it earlier on that um, Canadians born in uh, Newmarket, Ontario, do not move on to become designers of automobiles. It just doesn't happen. Had I been more worldly or had a better imagination, I would have realized that that wasn't true. Canadians born in Newmarket go on to become great hockey players. They go on to become, I think we, no, I don't think there's been a prime minister, but not far off. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, geography doesn't limit your possibilities. But as a child, I really thought and I think that many people do that uh, geography, to some extent, can limit your possibilities. So I think that, although this may seem a little bit prosaic, I think that, for me, one of my proudest moments was to get my master's degree from the vehicle design department of the RCA. Mm -hmm. And they presented, us, uh, presented it to us in the Albert Hall, which is just across from the Royal Oh, wow. Yes. It was funny because we used to have our, our department actually overlooked the Albert Hall. So anytime there was a Jew, you could look down and see Beyonce or whoever was there and wave <laughs> yes. at them. They'd never wave back. But, oh, well, <laughs> but yeah. no, it was it was a huge moment for me because of the fact that this is something that I had never imagined that I could possibly achieve. And when you're at the RCA, you are really very much on the world stage. Um, and when I say on the world stage, I don't mean that there are minions walking around looking for your autograph. What I mean is that you're surrounded by some of the most talented designers in the world. And when I was at the RCA, I am sure that I learned more from my fellow students. And this isn't an indictment of the RCA. I think that the RCA sets it up this way. I learned more from my fellow students than I learned from anybody else ever in my life. The competition, the camaraderie, it was brilliant. And so I think that my proudest moment was graduating from the RCA, but it got better because immediately uh, following my graduation, I was the first person in my class, even at my advanced stage, uh, who got uh, hired. And I got hired by uh, Ford Europe in Cologne, Germany. And there's a funny story there because <laughs> at the end of my time at the RCA, the RCA was eye-wateringly expensive. Mm -hmm. Worth every penny, but eye-wateringly expensive. Living in London is painfully expensive. Yes. I finished the RCA not only broke, but deeply in debt. When I finished the RCA, I flew to Germany for my interview at Ford. I was accepted, got the job. I had to fly back to London, picked up all my gear, Flew back to Canada, moved in with my mom from, for two months, packed all my stuff up again, flew to Malaysia, got married, <laughs> went for my honeymoon in Phuket, Thailand, 
flew back to Malaysia and then flew to Germany to take up my place at uh, Ford Europe. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about this is I've always wanted to fly around the uh, around the world, mm-hmm. and I always figured that when I was wealthy enough, I would. <laughs> As it turned out, when I was at my most impecunious, <laughs> when yes. I had the least money, I I really actually <laughs> arrived in Germany counting my my shillings. The last few. <laughs> How am I going to do this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, that's amazing. Funny story. That's great. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Okay. My first really special car wasn't a car. Oh. (laughs) My first really special car was a motorcycle. Okay, there you go. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. I got my first vehicle when I was, I think, I think I was 20. And my grandparents chucked in and I bought myself a Kawasaki KZ550. But my first real, the thing I really cared about was I I got a Suzuki 750 Katana. Okay. And this was the, this was the Hans Muth styled 1982 Suzuki Katana. Cool. And it was just, to me, this was everything. Okay, uh, as a kid, I had I had lusted off, all, uh, lusted after all the normal things like the E types, the GTOs, the what have you. But I had always liked the katanas. No, oh, I had seen the katanas as equally unobtainable as the uh, as the other cars I had mentioned. And so to find myself one with one was absolutely wonderful. Now. One of the reasons I found myself with one was that one of my good friends here in Toronto is a Katana guy and has had probably about 12 or 13 of them mm-hmm. and has probably 147 motorcycles in oh a barn somewhere near Oh, my near gosh. He's a, he's a real motorcycle guy, as you can tell. I mm-hmm. went to college with him. <laughs> he and I, uh, back when we were in college and stupid, did a trip, and we were going to write an article for the... Um, uh, Cycle Canada magazine, which was a motorcycle magazine in Canada, uh-huh. and uh, it was creatively entitled "From Kanata to Katona by Katana." Now, <laughs> Kanata, <laughs> Kanata is a small village outside of Ottawa, Ontario, so a bit of a drive from Toronto. And Katona is a little village north of New York City. Mm-hmm. So we drove up to uh, Kanata, uh, spent the night there. Uh, drank far too much at a pub uh, nearby. Got on the pubs, uh, got on the pubs, got on the motorcycle <laughs> early the next morning. Tired and headed down to New York State. Tired but sober, I would say. I've, I've driven a motorcycle for many years, and uh, I would never think of putting a leg over if uh, I had any worries about uh, how much I had drank. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyway, we we headed down. Um, <laughs> We got down to Katona. It, it took probably from Ottawa to New York City at that time. The way we went was probably about an 11-hour drive. Wow. And we had we, we left on uh, Saturday morning, got down very early on Sunday morning after having uh, stayed somewhere else, uh, stayed along the way, and then headed back to Toronto via Buffalo, the next morning. So we were driving up and we were both driving our katanas and just outside of Binghamton, 
we were driving along and it started to pour rain. And we suddenly hit a whole lot of traffic. And my friend Gerald in front of me, was, and he had actually taken my bike. We'd switched bikes because my bike had a Dunlop tire on it that wasn't very good in the rain. Mm. And he said, ah, I'll take this one. So we were driving up to Binghamton and he touched his brake and the worst happened. Yeah. It swung left, it swung right, it swung left, and it started to pendulum. Mm. And I was right behind him and I thought, I'm going to run over him. Yeah. And I didn't want to hit my brakes because there was a truck right behind me and I thought, this is not going to end well. And amazingly, <laughs> after the pendulum about four times, it straightened up and went straight. I, and oh, I was gobsmacked. I was absolutely amazed. I thought, wow, Gerald is the most talented motorcycle rider I've ever met. So <laughs> we drove for another 15 kilometers and got to a pizza hut or something and stopped. And I said, how did you do that? And he pulled, a, he pulled his helmet off and he said, I didn't do anything. It just stopped. It just stopped. The tank slapper stopped. Oh, gosh. Wow, that's scary. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Well, what a great story. You know, you alluded earlier to seller's remorse. Is there a vehicle that you let go that you really wish you could have back? Uh-oh, now I brought tears to your eyes. I've done it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, back in 2008, I bought a Mercedes 220 sedan from a gentleman in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got it cheap. It was in very good condition. It had some body problems and a little bit of uh, carburetor issues, but I loved that car. Now, it was a Mercedes 220 sedan, a 1971 Mercedes 220, or uh, some people will know them as the uh, W115 stroke A. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or as the, as the Germans call them, the Strickhoch. <laughs> and they're lovely sedans. Um, I bought it partially because of the fact that it, to me, was very close to what I would consider being the perfect sedan. The only competition I think that car has is the uh, Jaguar XJ6 from the mid-70s mm-hmm. or the uh, BMW 3.0. It's a, it's a remarkably sedate and restrained design. What I found, to my amazement, was that it drove beautifully and... Um, I have to point out that it was a four on the floor. It was not automatic. It wasn't one of the uh, three on the uh, stock. It uh-huh. was a four-speed on the floor. Nice. And I was amazed at how well this car drove. It was a, it was a remarkably pliable. The steering was was not power steering, of course, but the power the fact that there was no power steering meant that you felt the road much better. Mm-hmm. And when you when you chuck it into a corner and take that with a bag of salt, because this is a big Mercedes sedan, so I wasn't chucking it that much. <laughs> but when you chucked it into a corner, you really felt the steering respond. The engine was not powerful. It was a gasser, not a diesel, so it was slightly more powerful than the diesel was. Mm-hmm. But it was a remarkably, I think the, the word for it is rewarding. It was a very rewarding car to drive. I loved the color. It was... Uh, don't let the Germans hear this. It was British racing green. They call it uh, Dunkel Olive. <laughs> and it had a cognac interior. The interior was pristine. Nice. It was beautiful car. beautiful car. I loved it. I sold it 
because my wife said it was a bit of an old man's car. <laughs> and I couldn't help but agree, and we had both agreed that uh, perhaps a, uh, a convertible was in the offing. But yeah. I do regret letting that car go. The good news is, is that I, I sold it to a bloke who worked at a Mercedes dealership, mm-hmm. um, and he sold it in turn about two months later uh, to a fellow that, of all things, I met up with in a Canadian tire parking lot. And I pulled in and I said, that's my car. (laughs) (laughs) So I walked over and he was there putting new license plates around on. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, how are you? (laughs) And so we talked and uh, now we're in in, uh, correspondence. So I get to keep track of it and make sure that he's looking after it. Very nice. Well, sorry I brought those tears to your eyes, but it sounds like there was a, (laughs) a reunion that happened at the end there that's good. So that's great. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, I've got, I've got on the one hand, I've got my search for the classic cars. On the other hand, um, to Humber College, we're, uh, we're getting ready for the uh, Canadian International Auto Show. Ah, and yes. I'm really excited about that because the Canadian International Auto Show is not Tokyo, it's not Detroit, and it's not Geneva. But it's still a big deal. And uh, why I'm excited about it is that um, my students get to show their work. When I was this age, this was not the case. I mean, you went to the CIAS, you mm-hmm. went to Detroit, you did all of this stuff. But the idea of actually being able to show your work there was, no, it, it, it just didn't happen. Yes. So I'm very excited about this. We're actually going to have a booth at the, uh, at the auto show. We're going to have six or seven play models down there as well as a huge number of the uh, students' work and um, a huge number, sorry, a huge number of uh, banners showing uh-huh. the students' work. And uh, we're also going to have a, uh, a booth where the students will be sketching. So I'm very excited about that because if you remember earlier, I said that as a kid, I didn't think Canadians could go on to become designers. What I found when I was in Germany was that at Ford Europe anyway, there were already six or seven Canadian designers there. And I like to be able to, to encourage my students on uh, to bigger and better things. Absolutely. Now, here's a fun question for you. And this is a result of another fellow artist and painter, Harold Cleworth, who's been on Cars Yeah. He's the one that came up with this question. So we'll see how you do. If you were a car, what kind of car would Bruce be and why? Well, this question is triply difficult for me. Uh, because on the one hand, when I was uh, in high school, I worked in a framing store, and one of the things that I framed quite often were Harold James Cleaver things. <laughs> I especially liked his Porsches and the, and the Mercedes. And so if he is the one who came up with this question, I'm doubly worried about it. The other <laughs> problem I have with this is that I've got students who may listen to this program. Well, I hope so. And if that's the case, If I say, well, I'm a Ferrari GTO, they're all going to (laughs) snort with derision um, and say, I would say more Pontiac Aztec or Warburg (laughs) or uh, Tatra. (laughs) Well, that's why this is a great question, because it it is introspective in its nature. And we all wish we were Italian, sexy Italian car, fast and sleek and beautiful. But, you know, fact is, maybe we're not all like that. So take it away. Okay, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I, I think that what I would describe myself is, sadly, a Mazda Miata. 
Oh, that's not bad. They're great little cars. The reason cars. I say in that Miata is that um, I have owned one, and I think that one what one could say about this car is that it's remarkably fun. Yes. But it's also ultimately reliable. Yes. I mean, it's as much fun as you can get out of a TR6. It's as much fun as you can get out of a Mercedes 280 SL. Mm-hmm. And yet you can do it without the expense, the trouble, or the worry. I like to think that, uh, <laughs> that I provide some of the same upsides as a, a Mazda Miata might. I like it. Great answer. See? So there's no students laughing out there. And if they are, you have them call <laughs> Oh, they will be. Trust me. Well, if they do, you have them call me, and I'll set them straight. How's that sound? Okay. <laughs> so, Bruce, next up is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. All right, we're back, Bruce, and we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I am. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Okay, I'm going to give you uh, two here. One is, because I rode a motorcycle, I got a lot of advice, which was, keep the shiny side up. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> and and I'll tell you what, it seems a little bit empty, that advice, but I've been on wet roads, pulling onto highways, leaning into the corner, And just as I'm about to lean that little bit further and squeeze the throttle a little bit more open, I thought, keep the shiny side up. And I think it's, I think it served me very well. The other advice I'm going to uh, mention is, uh, has to do with the website I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. and something that I've been following all my life. And it's advice I got from my father. It's not his advice. I've heard this elsewhere. And it applies not only to the Jaguar which is mentioned, but there's nothing more expensive than a cheap Jag. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> and, great. <laughs> and, and this is true of many cars. Absolutely, especially old British cars. Which, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Would you share one of your personal habits with me that, be, that you believe has contributed to your success? This is going to sound perhaps, again, a little prosaic, a little empty, but I think that one of the things that has contribute, contributed to my success most is my point of view. Hmm. I think that nothing can replace a good outlook. If you can get up in the morning after having had a bad business meeting, after having lost some money, after having all sorts of unpleasantness dumped upon your doorstep, and smile and say, let's see what we can do today. (laughs) That's an amazing ability. I, I will admit that it's not something that I have always (laughs) <laughs> had myself, I have woken woken up some of those mornings and thought, ugh. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but I think it's something that one must keep in mind and one must strive to achieve because if you stop striving, you stop doing. Absolutely. Great outlook. How about resources? I know there are many out there today available to all of us enthusiasts, but is there one in particular that you're really fond of, a website perhaps, or a blog that you receive? Well, there's a couple. Um, 
one of the one of the uh, websites that I frequent every morning. I get up and I eat my breakfast and have my coffee in front of this website, and that is uh, bringthetrailer.com. Yes. I mean, veterans, auto hounds, and I love the stuff that they come up with there. Every every morning there's a new cornucopia of interesting vehicles. The other thing I would say is that, and this is far broader, the internet is a wonderful resource. And the great thing about car people is that if I put an email out there or a if I put something into a bulletin board and say, what do you guys think of the Series 1 uh, Alfa Romeo Spiders? I will get a plethora of not only interesting, but really educated responses. I would encourage any of your listeners to follow the net, find the bulletin boards for specific cars, if they're interested in those cars, and find out more about them there because you can't learn anything more than something that you're learning from somebody who actually owns one. And the, uh, the remarkable thing, and it really is remarkable, is that these owners are very generous with their advice, with their time. They will spend ages with you figuring yeah. out problems and pointing out what's going on with your car or your prospective car. Great advice. And Randy Nonnenberg, one of the founders of Bring a Trailer, has been a guest here on Cars. Yeah. And I'm teased by his daily emails, too, of all the things that I can't have. So I share that <laughs> share that with you. How about a book? Is I know you're probably an avid reader, but is there one book in particular that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy? Can I give you two? Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. I read this one a while ago. It's uh, by a gentleman named Brock Yates. I believe he used to uh, write for Car and Driver. Oh, yes. He wrote a book called The Decline and Fall of the American Auto Industry. And though the title seems rather grim and horrible, I don't know that I've ever read a book that is more prescient. He wrote this in the uh, mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And if you read the book, it's a remarkable read because um, he's talking about the uh, GM, Fords, and... Uh, Chryslers of the 1980s, and he's yeah. talking about the future of them, and it's remarkable how much he got right. <laughs> the other book that I would suggest is a book called Thinking Small. Hmm. It's by a woman named Andrea Hyatt, and it is The Long Strange Trip of the Volkswagen Beetle. And we all know that the Volkswagen Beetle is one of the iconic cars, but you would be amazed at the torturous and convoluted story behind it. It's, it's an excellent piece of work. It reads almost as fiction, but wonderfully, it's historical. Fantastic. Well, you can find links to these great resources at carsyeah.com slash Bruce Thompson. All right, Bruce, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for car guys like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money is no object, don't worry about that because I'm buying the car today, what would that vehicle be and why? Can I give you 93 cars? I'm sorry. No, that's not allowed. I can't tell you how many people have tried to sneak more than one in, but you know what? You're only allowed one. That's what makes it interesting. This one is remarkably difficult. Yes. And because of it, I'm going to pick, I'm sorry, because of it, I am going to pick something that is perhaps uh, less prepossessing than other than I might otherwise have picked. But the okay. reason I'm going to pick it is that to me, as a child, this was the ultimate car. And it has to do with when I grew up. I grew up in the uh the seventies. Mm-hmm. 
And this was the ultimate car. There was nothing like it. I grew up loving the Lamborghini Contax. I I grew up loving the Miros, the Ferraris. But ultimately, there was only one car, and that was the Series 1 Jaguar E-Type. And it gets worse. It's got to be a flat flat floor. Flat floor, yep. It should be British Racing Green Biscuit Interior with the clamshell racing seats. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. That's my car. You know, the the XKE is what started it all for me, and it was uh, probably, I was four or five. My dad took me to a hardware store, and up there on the shelf was a Matchbox by Lesney, a red Jaguar XKE. (laughs) He bought it for me. I still have it, still have the box that it came in, and that was the beginning. That and his 1947 MGTC that I used to ride around in with him. So great choice, and I assume why you chose that car is being a designer, the beautiful design correct what's interesting about that uh, car is that yes it's got a beautiful design but um, i am myself primarily a sketcher or render i do do play models i do do the work but the interesting thing about the xke is that it was never designed on paper being that it was designed in england at the time it was the way that they designed the xke was they went out to the barn and they hammered it out in metal and if you try to draw the car, you'll understand that because mm-hmm. it's a remarkably hard car to draw. And when you draw it, you realize this was not drawn. It was sculpted. And I think that that's one of the reasons that it's the icon, that it is the sculpture that it has come out to be. Yes, beautiful car. I love it. Great choice, great choice. Well, Bruce, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. It's been fun, and I knew that it would be. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the road in that Jaguar XKE? Keep your seatbelts buckled. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) honestly, stay safe, keep your seatbelts buckled, but enjoy yourself. Uh, I think probably uh, as a teacher, as a professor, one of the things I try to instill in my students is no matter what you're doing, Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life. Have a good time. Do well to others, and the world will will treat you well. Wonderful. And you treated me well. Thank you very much <laughs> for, the, uh, for the interview. I do appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. And what is the best way for the Cars Yow listeners to learn more about what you're doing? I know you have several websites. Can you share those with us so that they can learn more about these wonderful sketches that you're doing and everything else? Absolutely. Um, I do have a sketch site. If you type into Google caught in my headlight, my uh, my website should come up. It's called Bruce Thompson's Sketches. The other website that I'm working on is the, uh, the classic car site, and it's called Kicking Vintage Tires. Unfortunately, I think that I did spell tires the British way, T-Y-R-E-S. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Yes. And, of course, I do have my other site, which is thompsonstudio.com, which is where I display a lot of my paintings, uh, my digital work, and some of my sketches. Great. Well, I've been to all those sites. They're fantastic. And, listeners, you can find these sites on Bruce's show notes page at carsyad.com slash Bruce Thompson. His last name is T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Well done. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> bravo, bravo, as I give the Queen's wave as you head off into the sunset here. Uh, Bruce, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise. I want to thank you for sharing your experiences again. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Matt. You're welcome. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.